Um, I love Christian Life Church. Love what God is doing in our church. Amen. Isn't it good? Oh, man. And I tell you, as long as God has called me to be here, and I, I believe it could be as long as he wants, I just serve him. But I just love being here. And I'm going to work so hard for you, for our kids, our middle schoolers. My name is Pastor Luke. I'm uh, the children and middle school pastor here, and I just love it here. Uh, thank you for letting the kids pastor preach today. We're going to have fun. You know, we're going to have fun in here. Um, I, uh, I'm so excited. I, uh, I'm going to read my own verses today because I actually have a skit for you today. Of all things, a skit. And there's some people in this room that might look from the first century. I don't know if you can see them. It's like a where's Waldo in here. But they're going to come up here in just a minute. But I'm going to read the scriptures for us today. Uh, and uh, are you guys ready for the word? Is everyone here ready to receive from God this morning? just want to make sure you're ready. Um, Luke 17 is going to be our passage for today. It says in verse 5, the apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. And Jesus replied, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it will obey you. Suppose one of you has a servant plowing or looking after sheep. Will he say to the servant when he comes in from the field, come along and now and sit down to eat? Won't he rather say, prepare my supper, get yourself ready, and wait on me while I eat and drink? After that, you may eat and drink. Will he, be, will he thank the servant because he's done what he was told to do? So you also, when you have done everything you were told to do, should say, we are unworthy servants. We have only done our duty. This is the word of the Lord this morning. And I want to make a comment that people listen to Jesus because he was a great teacher and he was a great teacher who taught on difficult subjects. So to help talk about Jesus, and in fact, we'll talk about Rabbi Jesus today, I'm going to have Rabbi Tyler and Disciple Travis come on down today. Can we give them a round of applause as they come? They're going to help us out with a little skip. I don't know if you noticed that table there, but this is all part of uh, the skit here. And uh, all right, so then let's take it back to about the time of Jesus. Very early on, we have a rabbi, which means teacher, and we have a first century microphone. And uh, we have Disciple Travis here, and Disciple Travis has worked very hard to become the best student in his class. He wanted to be the disciple of Rabbi Tyler. Now, for everybody here, you have to know that Rabbi Tyler is the best rabbi. You want to be in Rabbi Tyler's school. And for some backstory on those students who wanted to become a student of a, a particular rabbi, there was an application process. There were hefty prerequisites even being, before being considered. Those were the equivalent of the GPA and transcript prerequisites for getting into an elite college or academy. If you want to go to Harvard, you better have a 4.0 GPA, 36 on your ACT score, or a 2400 SAT score. Without those kinds of stats, you're probably not going to make the cut. The same goes for a disciple applying to join a rabbi school. Disciples had to have an impressive knowledge of scripture, and a rabbi would quiz prospective students, asking them to recite an entire book. And so in front of you all today, I'm not going to have uh, Disciple Travis recite not just one book, but the first five books of the Bible. So, what are the first five books of the Bible? That is very good. He said all five books of the Bible. Isn't that amazing? 
That is amazing. And of course, in the Old Testament, or in, back in this day, it would have been per, uh, word for word you had to say it, but th that was very good, Travis. You just know the Bible inside and out. And, uh, or they might ask the, a question like, what is the number of times the name of the Lord was used in the 11th chapter of Leviticus? Oh, my goodness. So we're going to ask Travis this question. How many laws are there in the Old Testament? So, how many laws are there in the Old Testament? I'll have to check that later. <laughs> That's good. And so the rabbis would take applications for followers, but that is not the way that Rabbi Jesus took followers. And so now we're going to switch scenes, and you're going to notice that Rabbi uh, Tyler looks a whole lot like Jesus, and uh, <laughs> disciple Travis looks a lot like Matthew, the tax collector. And so we're going to change scenes here. Instead of followers applying, Jesus invited followers this approach of going to someone and inviting them was not done. A rabbi, like Rabbi Jesus, wouldn't humble himself or extend himself in that way. A rabbi wouldn't risk rejection. A rabbi would do the rejecting. But Jesus takes the initiative. It would have been shocking enough if he had simply allowed Matthew to follow him, but he actually extends the invitation. He says to Matthew, So, you work for the IRS. And not a whole lot of people like you, but I do. So come, follow me. And that's from the message translation. Anyone hearing this exchange, let's freeze it right here. Anybody hearing this exchange would have been shocked. <gasps> I'm sure other disciples would have been offended. A tax collector, he not only is a sinner, but he sins for a living. Jesus finds Matthew hiding behind his tax collector's booth. And when Jesus comes by Matthew, he expects a pointed finger and words of rejection. Instead, he finds open arms and a gracious invitation. And he says to the worst of sinners, Come, follow me. He says to me, he says to you, Come, follow me. How many of you today are going to follow Jesus? Yeah. Amen? Amen? Not just Rabbi Tyler Jesus, slash Jesus, but Jesus Christ. Amen? And Jesus does not want you to take a test like we saw with Travis and disciple Travis. He doesn't want you to prove yourself in any way. He just wants you to follow him anywhere in whatever capacity all the time. Amen? Amen. Amen. And can we give them a round of applause? They did so good. <laughs> disciple Travis, you guys can bow if you guys want. Just take a little bow. Take a little bow. Take a little bow. Okay. There you go. Thank you, Travis. <laughs> That's good. He's supposed to be humble, so he won't bow. Yeah, Jesus doesn't bow. Yeah, that was great. Thank you, gentlemen. I, uh, I really love uh, both Travis and Tyler. Uh, Tyler uh, helps me with the youth ministry, and Travis is one of our youth students. He's also my cousin, so I have to love him, and uh, I'll just show you. I love him so much. And, uh, and so how many of you this morning have gotten a mustard seed as you walked in? And if you haven't, just raise your hand. We have some in the back. We can get you one. If you haven't gotten one, just raise your hand. Uh, one of the ushers can bring that to you. Uh, if you don't have one, just raise your hand. But it's, a, it's just a little seed, isn't it? You're looking at that? It's just a little seed. And Jesus says, that's really all you need. And, and so here's the message of the Bible in a nutshell right here. It says, God is in need of nothing, right? God doesn't need anything. He is the master, and we are the slave. That's the relationship. But he still says to us, follow me. 
And why does he want us? Because he loves us. And he loves us because he loves us, because he loves us, and there's no reason to his love. He just says, come, follow me. And what do we need to follow him? Just a little bit of faith. In fact, we just need mustard seed faith. And that's the title of the message today, Mustard Seed Faith. And so let's learn from Rabbi Jesus today. The disciples said to the Lord, increase our faith. And this exclamation goes back to verse 3. It says, if your brother or sister sins against you, rebuke them. And if they repent, forgive them. Even if they sin against you seven times in the day and seven times come back to you saying, I repent, you must forgive them. And then the next verse he says, Lord, give us more faith. And the disciples must have thought this was a very hard task, so they asked for more faith. Uh, Faith does not increase by works. The disciples felt they were not sufficient for such a display of grace. They thought, man, I can't forgive someone seven times in a day. That's crazy. Increase my faith, Jesus. And do you see the difference in Rabbi Jesus and the rest of us? We think we need to be better before we serve God. And Jesus simply says, come as you are. And too often, I think I need more schooling. I need more encounters with Jesus. I need more faith in general to do what God has called me to do. And if I'm being honest today, I never feel fully qualified. And the only reason I can stand before you today so confident is because I'm confident in my call to be the children's and middle school pastor and your pastor today. It's because God's called me because he gives me grace to be here. Hannah can tell you, I get so nervous before I speak, and it's because I need him all the more. And I tell tell God, I come weak to the pulpit. I come weak to the service, as I told him today. I just, I can't do without him. And most of my life, I thought I could never do anything great for God. And I'm being serious. I just never really thought of myself as anything really great. Uh, but as I got older, I realized it wasn't about doing great things for God. God just, was, God just wanted me to obey him day to day. And so it's just a faithfulness to God because he's so faithful to us. And as Eugene Peterson said, it's a long obedience in the same direction. And that's, that's my life. And if, and if you're amazed that I'm here, well, it's God's grace. And, it, and it's just like I grew up in the church, and it's like maybe you could have predicted it, maybe, you're, maybe it makes sense to you, but it really doesn't make sense to me because I just know who I am and I just know it's by his grace. Maybe you feel the same way. And our culture is always wanting the secrets to life. We want to know how to get ahead and make the most of our lives. You see this? We, we want to know the secrets of these great men and women who lived great lives, but Jesus simply says to us today, just follow me day to day. Don't worry about all the details. Don't worry about the secret. There is no secret. It's just follow me day to day. That's how you get ahead in life. And I've learned to die daily, and that's where my confidence, that's where my joy, my peace, and my overall purpose lies. And I want to encourage you today. If you are sitting under my voice and you think you need more faith, the truth is you don't. All you need is a mustard size seed of faith. And he replied to the disciples who asked for more faith. Maybe you're saying, Lord, I need more faith. And this is what he says to you. If you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, 
and it will obey you. Isn't that amazing? Such a tiny seed. This is all we need. And Jesus indicated that it was not so much a matter of the quantity of faith, but the quality. If we have the genuine faith of the size of a mustard seed, then that's all we need. And if we're being honest, if I'm being honest today, this size seed is all I got. Good thing, it's all I need. Amen? Amen. How many of you got this today? You can bring this to Jesus. We're going to have a time at the altar at the end of the message, and I just encourage you just to reflect on, man, this is all I got, and this is all I need. Some of us today are really weak. We need healing. We need provision. We need a need, but we believe, and this is all it takes right here. Isn't this amazing? I had to put this in bags. I, I appreciate Jerry Alexi. I, where is Jerry? I love Jerry so much. She helped me put these in the bag, and my wife, Hannah, we would watch a show, and then we were just sitting there. It's so fun. It's just like a... Nice activity for couples, if you ever have time, just put mustard seed in bags. But uh, yeah, we're newlyweds. We got married in June. I love Hannah so much. She helps me with everything. I tell you, just the littlest of things, I tell you. But this is really all you need. This is really all you need, a little bit of faith. And I have to walk by faith and not by sight. Not by feelings. My feelings change like the weather. Man, this weather we've been having. My feelings change like the weather, but my God does not change. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And when he says that he is working everything together for my good, when he says that no weapon formed against me will prosper, when he tells me that he loves me and he gives me a task to complete, I will serve with all my heart. And when the task is complete, I will declare, as the verse says, I am an unworthy servant. I have only done my duty because I know who my master is. Amen. And Jesus tells us this story to remind us where we stand before God. He is the master, we are the slave. And the Bible either calls us slaves or servants of God. It's the same word, but I like slave better because although we think it's a negative connotation in our mind that slavery is bad, we serve a good master. And it is a necessary realization that a slave is not thanked for doing what was told of him to do. And the required action of a dutiful slave is to serve his master day and night. But we serve a good God who calls us to do maybe what we think is uncomfortable or hard things, but we know that in the end it will work together for our good. And we just have to trust him. That really is all faith is. And in the story, Jesus asked three rhetorical questions that are answered with a no, a yes, and a final no. So let's look at that together and study it uh, this morning. The first question is in verse 7. He says, Will any of you who has a servant plowing or keeping sheep say to him who's come in from the field, Come at once and recline at the table? And the answer to this is, of course, no. The second question is in verse 8. Will he not rather say to him, Prepare supper for me and dress properly? And serve me while I eat and drink. And afterward, you will eat and drink. And the answer to this question is yes. And the third question is in verse 9. Does he thank the servant because he did what was commanded of him? And the answer to this question is no. In the ancient world, it was simply unthinkable for a slave to sit and eat with his master. Only family members and invited friends ate meals together. 
Slaves had to serve their masters, and only after their masters have completed their meals were slaves allowed to eat. And the reason for this is very simple. It is a servant's job to serve. Masters don't serve their servants. And Jesus' point is about a servant's action regarding service. The required action of a dutiful servant is to serve his master day and night. All the time we must serve God. And R.C. Sproul puts it this way, and it very much clears it up. Jesus' lesson here is this. If God commands us to do something and we don't do it, we are in trouble. Yeah, we got that. But this is what gets me, and, and we have to stay humble in this. If we do something, what he commands us, if we do what he commands, that is not an occasion for boasting, for we have only done no, no more than what was expected of us. Let us not think more highly of us than we ought. Uh, even here today, I need to be reminded that it's by God's grace. And anywhere I go, if I, if I preach and I'm done, if I do this or that and I'm done, I just did my duty. That is it. What a good mindset to have. And God commands perfect obedience from us. When we do that, all that he's commanded for us to do, we are simply doing our duty. That's it. And that should be very clear to us. And so here's the big idea and the gospel message right here. And this is your hope for today. And you have to picture a target, just a big target. Uh, the word sin is used by even non-Christians. It's just an archery term that means you miss the mark. You miss the target that you were trying to hit. And the mark we strive for on that big archery marker is, is uh, God's mark of perfection. So if we hit it, it's not an occasion for boasting. Uh, let us not celebrate and congratulate ourselves, but let us remember that we were simply doing our duty. And here's the gospel message. We all miss the target. Every day, we don't always do what we're supposed to do. And Jesus, God's son, hit the mark his entire life. He didn't sin. He did what the Father commanded of him every single day of his life. He was obedient unto a cross. And we think of the cross this morning. This is where we will look to for hope uh, every day. And he died on the cross for your mistakes. Every time you miss the mark, he says, it's forgiven. It's okay, I'll pay the penalty. I'll pay the penalty because the wages of sin is death. We should be separated from God forever because we disobeyed him. And it makes sense to me. But it also doesn't make sense how God came in with Jesus and saved me from that. And Jesus didn't stay dead. He rose from the grave three days later. And he showed us we, he has all the power. He has all the authority. And now fully alive and capable of taking away your sin and mistakes, Jesus simply says to you, come, follow and have you ever protested to God? You say, Lord, I'm just not worthy. And he says, it's okay, child. I call you worthy. And you say, but Lord, you don't know what you've done, what I've done in my past. You know what Jesus says? Actually, I forgot. And you might say, like we saw in the skit, and we had Rabbi Tyler and Disciple Travis, and we had this exchange. You might think, Jesus, shouldn't there be some kind of entrance exam to follow you? 
I know all the other rabbis in school of thought demand that we prove ourselves. Why the inconsistency, Jesus? And Jesus says, no test. Just follow me. Just follow me. But in this life, when we follow Jesus, we might say we have tests or trials. In fact, Jesus says, in this world, you will have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. So where is your faith today? Most days, I only got this. This is all I got to give to God. And you know what he says? He says, that's okay, child. That's all you need. Seriously, that is all you need. It's so small, but it can do great things. And at, at this time, I'd like to uh, head to the conclusion and just have this somber moment of thinking of what Jesus has done for us. I'm going to invite Leanne up. I appreciate her so much and all she does. And I just want you to hold the mustard seed in your hand. I want you to take this home, tape it somewhere where you can see it every day, but we're going to have this moment at the altar in just a moment. I invite you to come forward, and what I'm going to do right now, uh, in fact, I'll just set it down right here, because I, this is all I got, but I give it to God. My mustard seed side of faith is all I got, but I give it to him every day, and that's where, why I'm where I'm at today, is because I simply trust God with what I got. It's not much, but he says that's all I need. Let me read a passage for you this morning as you reflect on that seed that's in your hand. It says in 2 Corinthians 4, 7 through 9, but we have this treasure in jars of clay that show that this all-surpassing power is from God. It's not from us. And maybe you can relate to Paul when he says this. I'll make it personal. I am hard-pressed on every side, but I am not crushed. I may be perplexed, but I'm not in despair. I may be persecuted, but I'm not abandoned. I may be struck down, but I'm not destroyed. We always carry around in our bodies, in our body, the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may be revealed in our body. And here's the message. You daily die and follow Jesus so that you may live. And this might not make any sense, but it's the gospel. It says in 1 Corinthians 1.18, for the message of the cross is foolish to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved, it is the power of God. And it's from God, not from us. And so we look to the cross today, and one version of that verse says the message of the cross just doesn't make any sense. And I'm going to read some statements, and I want you to just look at the cross with your seed and just think about giving it to Jesus. The cross that represented defeat for a follower is an image of victory. For the cross that represented guilt for a follower is an image of grace. For the cross that represented condemnation for a follower is an image of freedom. For the cross that represented pain and suffering for the follower is an image of healing and hope. How many of you need healing this morning? It is in the cross. The cross that represented death for a follower is an image of life. The cross may not be attractive, but to the follower, it is beautiful. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to open up the altar. If you want to come at this time, please come and just lay your mustard seed of faith down. You can come whenever you're ready, but... If we're being honest and we're looking at that mustard seed, that's all we got. And Jesus says, that's all you need. 
That's all we need. So whether you come to the altar or not, it's up to you, but I just encourage you to have a moment with the Lord, but this is open at this time. Leanne's gonna sing a song called Give Me Faith, and before we sing it, I want you to remember what the disciples said when they asked the Lord to give them more faith. He says, you don't need more faith. You just need to act on the faith you have. So if you have faith this morning and believe and you wanna come to the altar, please come and receive from the Lord this morning. Thank you, Leanne.